Patrick, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Wait a minute. I watch sea beams glitter in the dark near the <laughs> Tannhauser Gate. All these moments will be lost in time. Like tears in the s- of the sun? <laughs> wait, wait, the Sam Hill? Time to podcast! Hello, (laughs) and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and man, this this movie would have been... If they had a replicant in it, oh man, could have been fun. If they had an android... An android dreaming up electric sheep. Just throw that in there. Yeah. Wow. No. Welcome to the Academy. It, what it does have is those <laughs> Bruce Willis and Greenface. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dark Greenface. Dark, dark, dark Greenface. We'll get to it. Welcome back to The Equalizer, the Antoine Fuqua story, part three. This week, we are covering 2003's Tears of the Sun. Ooh. A gener- generic title, if there ever was one in my book. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah a movie that definitely has the vibe of a um, movie you would see clips of in another movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much like if they had a sequel to Funny People and Adam Sandler's character is entering his like Bruce Willis action hero years. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a movie that uh, Ben Stiller's character from <laughs> Tropic Thunder was in. Yeah, at one it, point. <laughs> tug, tug Speedman, what's that character? Tug Speed, yeah, Tug Speedman. <laughs> tug Speedman, yeah, we're just going with that. I, I like it. I think it sounds good to me. Um, Tears of the Sun is currently on Max. Can mm. be rented through all of the services and has a Blu-ray. The Interestingly enough, there was a director's cut that was released on DVD around the 2003 2004 era and what i discovered is on the blu-ray they have just moved all of the scenes that were inserted into the director's cut into the deleted scenes section of the blu-ray so the director's cut that's assembled is not currently available but those scenes are on blu-ray not that it matters because i believe patrick and i watched both watch this on max and deemed it we promised made that academy academy gold standard that academy academy promised that we if this movie was compelling enough we would track down the director's cut over the course of the week and i hate to like be the bearer of bad news to those who are really jonesing for the director's cut all those tears heads uh the tears heads out there um all the people who were really, really pumped to see Billy Bedlam from Con Air in another movie. Yes. Um, I apologize. It did not reach that. Uh, yeah. It... <laughs> that did not reach the director's cut demarcation line for us to yeah, watch I mean, this movie I... a second time. And, it, you know, in our defense, too, it clearly didn't reach it even for, like, the people that released the film. If they were to, like, unceremoniously, like, re- excise those those chunks of the movie and make them deleted scenes in the blu-ray like i've never heard that before that's wild there there is a feeling here now in 2003 bruce willis is still a pretty gigantic star i'd argue yes yeah he's still kind of at the top of his game and yet um 
this also kind of does feel like um title wise and storyline wise that you could confuse it with one of his latter day straight to dvd type titles the one that i keep I, out of death oh wow which is my favorite title I've never seen it, but I'm like, what? and I'm all out of death. <laughs> like, it is like, he has to trick death. He has to get out of death. Yeah, I would um, I'd hope that whoever the villain is in Out of Death get, gets to say, and I'm all out of death, or something <laughs> like some sort of. Some sort Imagine of Ben Mendelsohn saying that. Like, yeah, mm, I can't tell. I can't tell from the cast list who is the villain in this movie but it's another randall emmett oh it's a randall emmett joint mm. randall emmett joint yeah it's <laughs> probably a devin sawa or something or like yeah. i feel like there's a couple like lowered like or jonathan reese myers <laughs> but um she's a son was actually produced by bruce's uh production company cheyenne enterprises i don't know if you saw the interesting logo before the oh, movie started um and clearly something that was like important to him Mm -hmm. like it was a big like big star for him and i i do wonder you know what 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 compelled bruce to be a part of this so um basically tears of the sun interestingly enough is antoine fuqua to go to our main star of the day though antoine fuqua tears of the sun is his follow-up to training day wow you know Training Day, obviously a Academy Award winning, Academy Award nominated movie, beloved picture, almost from the jump. Um, uh, not a not a massive like Grand Slam hit at the box office, but certainly when everybody saw and everybody and everybody who missed it in the theater saw it on DVD. Yeah, the type like, of movie that puts you on uh, the board. So to yeah, speak. yeah, and so he could make. He could he could do like it's interesting to me that he did not choose to do um like the autobiographical passion project or something yeah. like that, which a lot of people in this position would do. But we're also covering a lot of filmmakers who don't really work in that zone. Yeah. Even, even like a real like Academy favorite David Fincher doesn't work in that zone. I mean, he makes seven, then he makes the game. That he is so bad. Yeah, they're, they're... he's these are guys who want to work in the industry. Yeah, the, the, they're not like interested in interrogating their past. Like, yeah, there's no. I, yeah, they don't come off as people. There's no, never going to be like a Fuqua Fablemans or a Fincher Fablemans. They're so. I think like... the closest for Fincher was Mank, and we'll get to that, you know, mm. in a few months, <laughs> but um... yeah, in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, really doesn't do something like that. Tony Scott doesn't do something like that. Michael Bay certainly doesn't do something like that. Mm -hmm. The they um. They want to make big asses in the seats popcorn movies. And I think that they are interested in winning Academy Awards, but I think they're interested in winning Academy Awards in a um, kind of in that like big blockbuster crowd pleaser 
kind of a Braveheart style Academy Award, a Return of the King style Academy Award. Indeed, yeah, Yeah, that's the those are kind of the um, the inspirational movies to them. And I think with Antoine Fuqua, thinking back on him too, I think you have to. I think we read up on this, and one of his biggest influences Mm. is Akira Kurosawa. Oh, and Kurosawa, I mean, made essentially classy adventure movies. If you want to be really reductive about yeah. it, <laughs> like, uh, like, I mean, yeah, like you look at Seven Samurai, yeah, more depth and Kurosawa's craft is pretty much greater than anyone's in cinema. Yeah, um, but I mean, what is Seven Samurai beyond kind of big, kind of heroic adventure movie? Yeah, there was a reason that was like adapted in America mm. as like a western. Yeah, remade by Antoine Fuqua. In a few short episodes from here, oh, yeah. um, the Magnificent <laughs> Seven, um, and so I think, you know, he when he's going to play his cards, he's going to do a kind of um, he's still going to stick kind of within the action, war, macho realm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Braveheart, which did win Best Picture, if you anyone out there. Who are listeners who have been born within the last ten years and can would be surprised that a movie like Braveheart with with the maker of it, you know, <laughs> you'd be you know back then it was a little different story. Although I gotta say, I think in retro and I I'm not a Braveheart hater mm-hmm. by any means. I think it's fine. It's good, you know. I think if you're gonna pick a well crafted audience pleaser, that was the year Apollo thirteen came out. That's and I true, think, and I think personally, Apollo thirteen is superior. I yeah, I like Apollo thirteen I like a lot. Yeah, I like, like them about, both. I've, I've never, I've never seen Braveheart. Not just you know, I just for some reason, it's never. I had a friend in high school who like that was his favorite movie. He like told <laughs> me he watched it like a hundred times. It's a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie. <laughs> it's very um, and like the interesting thing about Mel Gibson is he's such a sicko. And as a director, like beyond his personal life or anything like that. Right. Like he, he is he, a weird. There's a lot yeah. going on with that. guy. There's a lot going on, which makes. Yeah. Which makes his movies like first day C's for me. Because I'm like, I want to see how weird this is going to get. Yeah. But, this guy uh, is genuinely. He comes off as like a tortured soul and not in a, like a fun way. Like, in a a tr- really... I think he's a deeply troubled man. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. I mean, but this is not. Yeah, his, he's, this... In the, yeah, he's in the lunatic zone for sure. Antoine Fuqua seems like a cool guy. We're getting back to him. That's, like, that's one yeah. thing I do like about Antoine Fuqua. Seems normal as hell. Yeah. Incredibly normal. I, res- I like. I'm a normal respecter. I like that. I think like, one of the things, like one of the reasons, like we were drawn to covering him was this idea of like he doesn't really work in this tourist realm, mm-hmm. even more so than Ridley or Tony. Yeah, like he's like project after project. He's looking for his next gig. He's going to try and execute his next gig the best he can. And he's looking for gigs that kind of um, are attractive to him. And we're part of the goal of, I think, our Antoine Fuqua series is to try and figure out what are these like things that stick out to him? What what are the buttons that are pushed in a screenplay or project Mm -hmm. that drive him to want to do them? Yeah. Like what makes him? Yeah. What makes him? like you know tick as a as a director yeah what are the yeah because i feel like there are what's interesting is we're finally starting we're at the point 
covering Antoine, where we're finally starting to see some patterns crop up a little bit, which is fascinating. I think with Tears of the Sun, my guess is that he was definitely trying to make a statement about um, just how bad the situation was in -hmm. countries like Nigeria at that time. I think that that's... And certainly it's effective. I mean, not that it's not that it's new news or anything like that to to anyone who follows, like who's anyone who's watched like a vice documentary. (laughs) Like, Although like, like, I guess like this was made in like 2003. Right. So I can see like Uh some, maybe like the audience that this is geared towards being a little less uh, savvy to this information than most. I think so too. And I think, um, and I think it's a uh, you know it's coming off of I, when was uh, Black Hawk Down, two thousand one. Yes, Black Hawk Down was two thousand one, and I think Black Hawk Down was rightfully um, critiqued for its um, frankly disinterest in the Somali yes. people, complete and utter disinterest in the Somali oh, yeah. people. Well, and yeah, that's an issue with that movie. That is like yeah, on that episode, and that is like yeah, that is like one point in. Antoine's court is like he does have like there is like an empathy. Yes, I think it's a heavy hand. It's very heavy handed in how it's yeah. presented. But mm-hmm. so what is Tears of the Sun? Nobody, none of you all. Y'all have seen Fight Club. Y'all have seen Alien. You know what that's about. You yeah. might not know what Tears of the Sun is about. Yeah, <laughs> how, yeah. There might be. Are there tears heads? There might be one. There might be one guy who's like just a totally obsessed with this movie. I, I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there are many a dads out there who are really, really into this movie because, like Bruce Willis, who is the lead of this movie, mm-hmm. isn't that. Isn't that like weekend warrior wannabe dad realm? For of, sure. Like, I'm. I could be this guy. Just yeah. like a little bit different, but He's like bald I totally, like me. I, yeah, I totally get this guy. And <laughs> so Bruce Willis plays Lieutenant A.K. Waters, otherwise known by his guys belovedly as LT. Ooh, LT Waters. And it's pretty straightforward. He gets he and his team are um really they're hardcore Navy SEALs. Yeah, who just go mission to mission. This is not the Navy SEALs we met in 13. You made a great point. We'll get to it a bit about kind of comparing 10 years difference between the the operators we meet in 13 hours versus the operators we meet in this movie. These guys are going mission to mission. There's action everywhere. They're not independent operators. The U.S. military is sending them behind borders Mm -hmm. nonstop. And they're not really like complaining about it. But you no. could tell they're pretty fucking tired. <laughs> they're like, I was, I just thought of this right now. Willis, uh, it's not as good of a or memorable as a performance, but he does remind me of like, he's almost like Denzel Washington and Man on Fire, where like, he's like a ghost of a man in this movie. It feels like he's like I, seen I, I, so I, much stuff and I, lived a hundred lives and not in a fun way. I wish Bruce had gotten a movie later on in his career as good as Man on Fire. Yeah, he like, needed oh, that. Oh, that would have been so cool. That would have been so yeah. cool to have him. Cause he could have he would have hit a home run with that. But um so and I, I do like thinking back on it. So Bruce and his team are introduced, like landing on an aircraft carrier in this helicopter. Bruce comes off, he's got he's busted open on his head 
from the previous mission. I do like that touch that he's like busted open. They are greeted by their um, kind of commanding officer, Captain Bill Rhodes, who's played by the god, Tom Skerritt. And I don't know, you said it too via text message, yeah. but I felt the same way. It's like, oh, we're off to a good start. Yeah, I love I love seeing <laughs> you know, Skerritt. The, guy, like a... the guys on an aircraft carrier. Tom Skerritt's there. It's like, oh, boy. I'm familiar territory, but I'm liking it. Is this just a, is this an unofficial sequel to Top Gun? Count Top me Gun, in. Tom Alien, like a, like a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> prequel to Ted. But there's also was like a darkness because we the movie opens with newsreel footage of the atrocities going on in Nigeria. Yeah, and I, I, and I was like, oh boy, another we had another war movie. <laughs> Rip from, off- from the headlines. We're seeing footage. We're seeing pe- real footage of people getting shot, and it's just like, ah, oh, boy. I think I've seen a lot of these at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it, that's what it felt like between Black Hawk Down and Thirteen Hours, and just down the line, I was just like, oh god. Yeah, well, and it's also like, um, you know, like I think a lot of, uh what occurs in Nigeria in this movie. Um, Cause they make it seem like Nigeria was like the government was like overthrown and like, I don't know. It's just, it's very like, I don't like it. It, it, it just, it's, it's very clear. It, goodies and baddies are presented yeah. in this movie. Yeah. To a um, very like blunt extent. Mm-hmm. And um, who knows? Yeah, I remember yeah. Jen, Jen asked, is like, is it based on a book? And I was like, no. No, this, this is a story. Made... This well, is this... made up. Well, the story, like, apparently the thing that this was based on originally took place in Colombia. So it's like, it, like a lot of this is like whole cloth and it's like, it's unclear. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just, it's very interesting. Um, I feel like today we've become better at a dealing like i don't know hate using the atrocities that occur in other countries as like fodder for our cinematic storylines it's, it's, it's an interesting thing even comparing this to 13 hours because it's like like because we complained on 13 hours how queasy it felt because it was like oh it's like these were real people who actually died like all that kind of thing yeah but this one it's like this seems flippant in a different way yeah, it's just like oh, this going in Nigeria, and I'd like to talk about it. Let's just make up this mission for these exactly. guys. Exactly, it's just like well, slow down, slow down. So it's like it's a rock and a hard place because like as somebody who like I like watching war movies. Oh, like, same. Well, you know, I like these things. I'm like but, I'm 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 like James Cameron. I'm a little free curl the tech or whatever. Yeah, all that stuff yeah, I like the gear and all that kind of stuff, and like yeah. the guys and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like. This seems like a genre that's like impossible, unless you're doing like a like a straight up like um docudrama mm-hmm. type thing, like a really like half documentary yeah. type. Deal. You're almost like recreating Restrepo scene for scene, or you know the other side of that coin is you just make up a like we're fighting aliens or we're fighting mm-hmm. a Roman legion. That I think it's really time. yeah, it's like really <laughs> difficult. Like I mean. I think like I think the most successful one of the Iraq War era is the Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. and that really, really narrowed it down to like specific people and their yeah. human story to try and yeah. pull that off, and like the human, the 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 toll of war, not mm-hmm. so much like a mission, 
or something like that. Yeah, that movie is pretty much about like three guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how much this sucks. Mm. But it's also kind of addictive. And that's interesting. That's a different angle. Um, this movie is not taking any level of different angle. We quickly discover from Tom's Captain Tom Scarrett that the <laughs> next dead, our guy's got to get some grub. Bruce Willis has to get chow. Pardon me, it's called chow in military parlance. Mm. Um, Bruce Willis has to get his head patched up, and then they're going back out there. They got to go into Nigeria to go essentially re- find a track down a U.S. citizen who's doing kind of a doctors without borders kind of deal named dr lena fior kendricks played by monica bellucci who is um the most beautiful sainted doctor without borders (laughs) (laughs) her only flaw we've seen it before she might care too much cares too damn much she just cares too damn much about the mission (laughs) her and like the uh her and her like a generic irish nun yeah i know I know. Oh, I'm glad you're staying. I'm glad you're staying behind to be murdered terribly. Okay. <laughs> so they have to get there. They have a certain amount of time to get in to this, basically this jungle compound. Doctor, that mm-hmm. border set up to get her out of there before um, approaching rebels who have taken down the government mm-hmm. and um, overrun the place and essentially kill them all. Right. Um, Bruce and his team gladly accept the mission. Bruce's team. Now, here is where the movie, I think, gets hurt. Is the fact we have no hangout scene. Like, I would love to see a scene where Bruce is getting patched up and the guys are having their food. Yeah. Just to get a better idea of who any of these guys are. Or, like, even, like, a scene where they're hanging out at the mess hall in the... Mm -hmm the you know the boat or whatever in the uh the exactly yeah yeah, like they need, yeah we need some like uh context for these guys because pretty much i love the it, fact that they are workaholics and they mm-hmm. don't stop i think that's an interesting little twist i think that that's great that it isn't like and we don't have um but i mean i also kind of wish we had the usual guys get a brooklyn guy in there get a get yeah. get a, get the new kid on his first mission who's definitely going to die <laughs> like they, they, they almost have there's one character they almost like give a little like um like Johnny Messner he's like the guy with the mohawk I think yeah like, he gets like just to, just by having a mohawk he's at least like you can tell him apart from everyone else yeah and um unfortunately for a lot of these guys they don't even have Wikipedia pages which is another yeah. kind of flaw because like if you think about next week's film you think about Black Hawk Down you think about we have done many a movie mm-hmm. on this show that involved a crew yep. putting a team together. And um, this is just not, this is, this is at that, this is a sub white squall, if you ask me. Yeah. In terms of teams. No like offense to any of these actors. They all do their best. No. They all do their best. And it's not really even their fault, but it's, the script could help them out by giving them a little more color. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty. No, I think I would say that like the script is easily the weakest aspect. It's very generic mm-hmm. and incredibly heavy-handed. Now, a few faces you would recognize. So, Michael Slow Slowinski, <laughs> um, <laughs> who I think name. 
So him and um, Ellis Z. Pettigrew, mm -hmm. they play the roles that we've seen in a much better version. Pardon me. Um, Will Patton played in Armageddon to Bruce oh. Willis. The similar age soldier who mm. has probably been on a few more missions than the rest of the guys with Bruce, who's probably closer on a personal level to yeah. Bruce. You know the Yeah. The confidant, the like-minded care, the second peer, banana. The closest, yeah, the second basically second in command kind of guy. <laughs> this is not really all that established in this movie, but trust me, having seen almost all of these movies, it seems at this point. This is an essential character on the team. Yeah. Tom Sizemore in um, Saving Private Ryan to 100%. Tom Hanks. Classic example. They almost we, act as like a conscience sometimes. Yeah, they're a little more, um, usually a little more cynical than mm -hmm. our lead character, but they're like never going to like turn their back on our lead character. Yeah, they follow them into oblivion. No matter what. Seen it a million times. Both of our guys who hold that, no offense to either of these actors, um, again, it's like the writing doesn't establish it enough. Mm -hmm. Doesn't give them this moment of being a confidant. Um, Z is played by Iman Walker. Slow is played by Nick Chinland, who we last saw, of course, as Billy Bedlam in Con Air. Yeah. Which also, is nice to what see the, him. Yeah, also one of the uh, evil uh, police goons in Training Day, if I remember correctly. That's correct, Amundo. Good call. Yeah, and that yeah. that's like another example of a crew that's so much more interesting than the Tears of the Sun crew. Like those guys I, I remember more than I like I know, like Dr. Dre and Nick Chinland and like and how weird and crazy they all were. Like it was just um this is important stuff. If you're making a generic action movie, <laughs> check all the boxes. That's what I'm getting at. It's like if exactly. it can be, be generic as long as you give us a taste of like all the elements like Patrick and I, we just, Patrick, we just saw the abyss, which is yes. not a generic action movie at all. Mr. No, James, no. Cameron, James Cameron was there. Thrilling experience. Oh, we'll talk sure. about it some other time on the show, but the abyss sets up the team at Harris's yeah. crew. So well, so good, you know, and this is important. And even Michael Bay, like Armageddon or the rock or any of these movies, like the the team, and that was like an argument we had against Six Underground too. The team wasn't well done. No, you need like you need like interesting people to glom onto. Like even if like they don't have like a lot of screen time and like yeah. opportunity to flesh themselves out, at the very least, like give them some quirks. Give 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 them something like you know cuz it's like you know the abyss characters it's not like they're the most fleshed out individuals but like every one of them had like a game they could play kind of like and you ended up care in the thus yeah. you ended up like caring about them and wanting to see them all make it out. Like that's an essential element. And even in like next week's movie King Arthur like he does an excellent job. Yes, of like for in a lot of for a lot of the characters of kind of like getting them to that place. <laughs> it just doesn't. The closest they get here is James Red Atkins, played by Cole Hauser, who kind of plays. He's the younger, more skeptical one. Surrogate son, too. 
-hmm. in a sense, but none of it really, um, none of it really gets there. Nah, it doesn't click. And, and, and part of it, like, it's interesting because I feel like sometimes this movie does, like, straight action. And then sometimes it feels like he's almost trying to do, like, a, um, like a Terrence Malick trio, yeah. uh, not trio of life. Uh, oh, line. It, it felt like, yeah, the um, cinematography felt very thin red line. Oh, yeah. Me. Where, like, you know, yeah. you're looking at, like, the, the baboons or you're looking at the animals and it's the juxtaposition of beautiful mm -hmm. nature and, like, or and, even, and well, yeah. also Hans Zimmer, who scored naturally, of course, Hans Zimmer <laughs> scored this movie, scored Thin Red Line. Yeah. I, I, my, one favorite, thing I will... my favorite Hans Zimmer scores Thin Red Line. So I will... like... Is he, like, did he, like, he didn't, because uh, I, I will say I like the score in this movie a lot. Like, this mm -hmm. was, like, an under, I think that's, like, um sometimes it was, like, a little too heavy-handed, but, like, this is, like, I feel like Tears of the Sun, like, there were um all these, like, melancholy notes that the yeah. score hit. It, it felt like something I would listen to outside of, uh, if I was in a mood to listen to a soundtrack, like, I like the score a lot. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that you're kind of hit on something, you kind of alluded to something there, that this movie is, like, is a bit of an identity crisis. Because I think what it's, you know, we're getting at its goal is to kind of present what's going on mm -hmm. in Africa, right? And some of these atrocities that are going on, but I also think like there's a battle in its heart going on between that and being like um, a macho dad stupid action movie, mm -hmm. and it can't. The balance is not it. There, it's off balance. Yeah. Neither like. I would be willing to argue the action movie parts actually get closer to what I'm looking for as an action movie fan than the melodramatic tug at the heart stuff does. So they get there. She does not want to leave anyone behind. There's a lot of back and forth. They show up in the middle of the night wearing camouflage and we do need to note this we alluded to this earlier it's very very funny and very unfortunate <laughs> um bruce willis is wearing like full green dark green camo yeah. makeup and um due to the way it's shot the fact that it's at night it looks like he's wearing blackface for like 10 minutes and it's very uncomfortable it's <laughs> weird like it's you very I, I definitely yeah i definitely had a couple moments where i was watching this being like oh this is and until the sun great. until the sun comes up the next day, and you're like, "Oh, it's green." You're like, "Yeah, boy, it is." Like, like, this is unfortunate. <laughs> there is yeah, actually, life. it's so funny. I think I even remember seeing like trailers where like he had that full makeup mm. on, or like commercials on TV with that, and being very like as a child. Just and like... it just goes to show <laughs> over the course of twenty years, like this would even if it was green, everyone and their mother would do the everything they could to let you know it was green the second he showed up on screen <laughs> like <laughs> if this came out in 2023 yeah i gotta get my green makeup on so basically he gets in an argument with monica bellucci about leaving these people like we're here for you we got a mission it's very mission oriented remember that and he says we're going we're taking you we're out of here it's even suggested that they drug her and just like throw her over their backs. Yeah, there's <laughs> like, another recurring theme in these movies. It's not not the always the best treatment of uh, yeah, women. female characters. Yeah, yeah women. They're uh, the Madonna and the whore. 
complex. All of it's there. Yeah. With these, like, they're either saints or sinners. They're um, not a lot of depth, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so he tells her, fine. Take everybody who can walk. We're going to do the, se- the seven and a half mile hike to the area where the helicopters are going to pick us up. Despite the fact Tom Skerritt's like, hell no, we're not taking out all these yeah. refugees. That's like, now that puts us in a kind of uh, active war kind of realm. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're cashing a check, we can't pay, sir. I know, he's like, you guys are kind of supposed to be there really like undercover and not noticed and just kind of in and out and yeah you start to you start taking like a hundred people out of here it's gonna start getting noticed pretty quickly (laughs) yeah we might be it might be illegal for americans to be in nigerian jurisdiction at this time and place so on their walk they get out they leave behind a few priests who like for some reason want to stay they yeah, have more I'm... work to do. Uh, the rebels show up, and uh, we quickly find that both the rebels are very one-note psychotic bad guys. Yeah, they're and just two, evil baddies. Two, it was a terrible decision for the priest and the nuns to stay because they are all unceremoniously dispatched. Yeah. Uh, Brutally. Main, Brutally. Uh, main, like the, uh, one oh, thing totally. we should note about this movie is like he is not hold. This is an R-rated movie. Nothing is held back. It's very, very violent and graphic. Yeah, he is unsparing in his depiction of tragedy. Uh, yes. Yeah, the, the head of the rebels uh, portrayed by, or not the head, I guess he's like kind of like the, the second in command, but like the head military guy but kind of like by the, Peter the, Mensa. The, the kind of baddie. Yeah, like yeah. the yeah yeah he's like the e- the the evil guy. Yeah, uh, Peter Mensa, who is the guy who gets kicked into the pit in three hundred. That's what I remember him most mm. for. Is it fun? Jason. Also, has yeah. a, a great turn in Jason uh, ten slash Jason X, where yeah. uh, <laughs> fights fights Jason in space. Fun actor. It's always nice to see Peter Mensa. Yeah, yeah, and he kind of hams it up a bit. Is kind of a mustachey yeah. villain in this movie. Um, so they. They do reach though the um the drop zone and um they put her Bruce reveals he was never gonna take any of the refugees. It was all just a show to get her ass out of the camp. <laughs> Puts her on the <laughs> chopper. Him and his guys get on the chopper, mission accomplished. George W. Bush though. <laughs> um they're flying over though, they fly over the Doctors Without Borders camp, and they see just bodies everywhere. Everybody's dead. And Bruce has a almost immediate (laughs) crazy to 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 the extent that we've met him thus far. Change of heart. Yeah, it's suddenly it's like this guy who has long, uh, who like emotionally has been asleep for so long. The 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 cinders of anguish have been. Relit in his heart. The, like he is suddenly, his yeah. his uh, six a.m. empathy alarm has gone off. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> time to feel things. Time to feel things. <laughs> and boys, you better start feeling things too, because I'm gonna take us into a horrific war zone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I care now. <laughs> I care now. You better too. <laughs> he orders the uh... helicopter to turn around. They're gonna grab the refugees. They put everyone they can fit onto the choppers. Mm-hmm. And Bruce, Monica, the guys, and the rest yep. of the refugees now have to walk to Cameroon. 
holy shit. <laughs> Look how, like, in this I gotta movie... say, when, I, when they got to the helicopters initially, I was like, man, this is a pretty fast movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're going a steady clip. <laughs> yeah. Turns out there's like an hour to go. <laughs> yeah. Would have been great if they just ended with them on the helicopter. Very funny. Like... <laughs> hey, we did it again, boys. Let's go get some Another chow. job well done. Another job well done by the U.S. military. <laughs> no lesson learned. Those people still waiting yeah, in that field. Monica Belushi just balls and they leave behind all those people in the field. <laughs> we're great, guys. We're Fade great. to black. Yeah. USA. Yeah. USA. USA. <laughs> but no, no. Not at all. What happens? No. We get a few scenes where Bruce Willis's guys like give him the whole sure you know what you're doing here, LT. Kind of talk. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, I just felt something for the first time in my life. <laughs> yeah. My 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 damn Grinch heart just grew. <laughs> no, and then they're like we get the usual thing. It's like, I don't know if I agree with you, Altif, but damn it, I'm with you. We've seen it. Seen it yeah. in a million movies. The yeah. the mission in which, oh, the, 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 the crew count is like, let's say, eight guys. Mm-hmm. Three to five of them are not going to make it. Yep. You could kind of guess which ones are not going to. to like, yeah. <laughs> but... The only question really is Bruce gonna make it? Mm-hmm. And to his credit, Bruce is such a movie star. We love Bruce on our show. He's yeah, he's so compelling. Like I he like him he, in this. He, I know we do. <laughs> I was like, and it's so funny because he doesn't do much. He literally is just like kind of grimly. He's so taciturn and like uh, kind of boring, but it it totally works for his character. It just, it just shows what movie stars can do. Yeah, like you just like dig him, you, like dig he being knows. around him. He's yeah. He just like he's such a good time, like yeah. like and you know. I guess that's why it's like everyone. I mean, like we we talked about it. I think on the Armageddon episode, it's like when he revealed his current health condition, just the outpouring that everyone mm-hmm. had for him of being like, I love this guy. I grew up with this guy. Like oh yeah, I hold, I want the best for this guy because he like meant so much. And then watching these movies now that he's like not gonna be acting anymore, you're like. I miss him. Yeah. Too. And you miss like how, like, I don't know, like all the opportunity, like you, well, yeah, watching this and thinking, I think you said it earlier, like, oh man, a man on fire. I know. Bruce Willis so, getting so many like more movies. So many, there's this big rumor going around that um, Quentin Tarantino has talked to Bruce's family oh. about a cameo in the final Tarantino movie. Wow. He's like, is he okay? He's like, I want him if he's okay. But Very I don't nice. I mean, who knows? Yeah, but who at knows? least, like, yeah. like I guess he, like, yeah, wanted to have him in that one more time because he was in pulp. He was a big part of getting Pulp Fiction kind of over the line. Because I mean, a big star like him agreeing to like a supporting role in Pulp Fiction was a big deal. Yeah, nineteen ninety four. Yeah, it's kind of did. Uh, yeah, they never really. I guess they were in. Um... Was Bruce Willis? No, Bruce Willis was in the other one in the the Grindhouse. He was in the Robert Rodriguez yeah, one. Yeah, he was in the Robert Rodriguez one. He's in Four Rooms as well. Oh, the yeah. um the weird anthology movie that they made when everything Tarantino put his name on could get greenlit in like two seconds. What, yeah. a, what a time to be alive for that guy! Oh, man, Please. was uh, who was yeah, in like, that? Was it? It was like uh, was it uh, Quentin Tarantino? 
it was, uh, so it was it was a four it was Allison Anders, Alexander um McDougal? No. No, Alex uh Alexander Rockwell, Robert Rodriguez, oh. and um Tarantino all directed four parts and it was all took place in a hotel and Tim Roth was the bellboy. Ooh. And it's not that it's no, yeah. It, it feels like it's time. It, yeah, it's very and it's also like, really a kind of like a the peak Miramax indie cash in. Oh god. <laughs> the peak yeah. the peak. Hey Quentin, do you have any extra screenplays in your underwear drawer that you just kind of forgot existed? <laughs> like, we'll take it. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you know, like yeah, we need another uh, you know, things to do in Denver when you're well, dead or whatever. There's like there's gems that have come out of that, like from Dust Till Dawn was like a lark that he wrote and wow. from Dust Till Dawn rules. Oh, love that movie. <laughs> blast um, but but anyway back to mm-hmm. tears of the sun um yeah and you kind of know where it goes from here they go through trials and tribulations the the deck is stacked against them they've got an army versus like eight of them and a bunch of refugees mm-hmm. we get a late late movie twist where we discover one of the refugees that they're walking around with is the only surviving member of the presidential family who might be the rightful heir <laughs> to nigeria and they're like yeah. no we gotta keep, <laughs> which, gotta keep makes, this guy alive <laughs> makes no sense i don't Big know twist, like you know we got a new mission we gotta keep this asshole alive. Like, oh my god like, it's the king of nigeria <laughs> like, i know and he's like hanging with us and oh boy now yeah. also they portray like uh the um the uh the border of Cameroon and Nigeria is like some crazy finish line where if you like cross it you're like it's all good and okay. so <laughs> have you seen Three Kings, the David O. Russell movie? I have not. So that's one of the great movies in the nineties. I I believe it's by yeah. a wide by a wide margin David O. Russell's greatest film. It's Classic cube. utterly phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like holds up huge. Um Three Kings is a story about these four soldiers, Clooney, Ice Cube, Mark Wahlberg, and um, Spike Jones of all people. Oh, wow. Um, who hear that um, there's like a bunker filled with Saddam Hussein's stolen gold that he stole from the uh, Kuwaitis. Wow. And this is the Desert Storm, the Iraq War one. Mm-hmm. This takes place, and so they come up with a scheme that they can quickly head out there, get that gold, mm-hmm. and um, no one they ship it home and be rich men. Um, and we kind of all see their backgrounds and why they might want this gold. Mm-hmm. They get caught up though in like the refugee and freedom fighter situation as well but it's so organic in how they get invested emotionally (laughs) in it you buy every second of it and at the end they have the same exact kind of race to the border wow kind of deal Mm -hmm. except it's the u.s military who's trying to stop them oh my god (laughs) yeah so it's a little more interesting right yeah (laughs) a lot more going on yeah yeah and it's very like you're crying by the end of it. You're mm-hmm. like emotionally totally moved by the fact that these soldiers have like their what started off as just like this pure move of greed has turned into this mission that they really believe in. Yeah. And it's incredibly well done. 
I highly recommend that movie for anyone out there who hasn't seen that one. And well, I think yeah, that that like helps too because like that seems like the um there's like an uh there's um alternate animus like they're 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 they they have passions and desires that are articulated beyond their mission, which is something mm-hmm. that Tears of the Sun unfortunately like. Like, you never get a sense of, like, any of them having families. You never get a sense of them having any connection to, like, the outside world in any capacity. And here's another take. You could, like, have it be that, and that could be interesting. Like, you know, but then you need to have that realization. You need to have, Mm -hmm. like, a moment where these soldiers are like, oh, my God. Like, I've just, I've given my life to this machine, and in the process, I've lost my humanity. Like, that could have been around. This could have been about them gaining their humanity back via these people and there's little hints of that there's like but well, it's I like think the what cinematic tries, what he tries to do is that they come across this other camp that is being overtaken by the rebels and the guys decide to infiltrate it and take out the rebels themselves to save the, the these this other group of people mm-hmm. and basically what we get is like 10 minutes of atrocities that yeah. they keep going hut to hut discovering worse things that these rebel that these the baddies have done yeah and i and in kind of antoine fuqua fashion he uses a jackhammer to tell us like yeah. okay see how terrible this is now you understand why these guys have decided to change their ways mm-hmm. yes that's true that totally. works. at the same time it's like there's no i mean it's just it's just right there. It's all on the It goes from like zero to a hundred and it's like a little gratuitous too. Like there's like a way to do it that feels more organic. Like this feels so just like, um, I I think they do a decent job with Iman Walker's character a little bit. Like he has a couple of moments where he gets to like, in a, yeah, in a sense, but it's all like exactly what you think it is. There's no, um, there's no subtext. There's no real conflict. Yeah, even. there's not even like really like revelation. It's just kind of like from not caring to caring. In in theory, if these guys are like hardcore seals who go mission after mission, this actually is not particularly new stuff. Sadly, that they're running into. Right. So what's different? What's special about this moment? I guess would be my question. Yeah, it's like, and it's a bummer too, because like, I feel like there are moments in this movie where he's so close. Like, you can see the shape of this movie, and it could have gone one way, it could have gone the other, and because he's not like a man without talent, I don't no, think. Like, he has like some. Yeah. I want to get to that final sequence in which they are cornered by the bad guys, and how virtuistic. The final action sequences in the movie it is yeah, like that's... like yeah like i say like we barely care about these mm-hmm. guys and i'm on the edge of my seat hope like the entire time because again like this is an action movie trope eight against 200 you, you understand that yes. as a viewer and you're like lizard brain completely and it's the same. You know, we've seen it in Black Hawk Down. We've seen it 13 hours. We've seen the next damn movie we're going to watch. Um, yeah, and, you, and they do such a great job of painting it so grimly. Like, it, like everyone goes through the meat grinder in this movie. Everyone's getting I shot. I know. Bruce gets it, like, 
beat the fuck. He like loses yeah, his eye. Yeah, he. I think yeah. he gets shot like twice at least. Like people, like yeah, it's people going are just crazy. And it's like, yeah. and the way he shoots it with these like wide angles, like where we see them kind of all like. I love the um, the military maneuvers. Like they're patting each other on the back and telling each yeah. other to go and stuff like that. Like all that stuff. I was like, oh, this is like like you were saying earlier about the gear and all that kind of I was like, oh, I like yeah. I like seeing this like expert like clearly they did the research and did the work with like military oh, totally. folks to learn how all these maneuvers. And that's like exciting to watch. And it is like once like the shit starts hitting the fan, like the last like twenty minutes, you're like, "Wow, this is great!" And like the the end, the race to the border when everyone is like, like been chopped to ribbons, is yeah. exciting. Yeah, because it's, it's like, weird. how are these like, guys gonna make it? Because they've been and, shot. Yeah. Like, well, and like, and, the and, you've pl- like... and then Scarrett finally is like sending the planes for <laughs> air support, and we're like, as an audience, we're like begging for air support. Like, come on, come on. Like, <laughs> these are my guys. You gotta yeah, help my guys. <laughs> like, like I told you, they weren't developed, but now that we're an hour and forty minutes into this movie, I still want them to make it. Yeah, <laughs> I want, I want Bruce to be fine. <laughs> and it is like, it is like very like, and Bruce going back in. To get his guys, yeah, you know, it's just like we've seen it before. There's nothing original here. The movie completely devolves into like a very like generic action movie. Do yeah. all this, all of like the intense details about like how bad this particular situation go are out the window. Yeah, the well, it's also like, like yeah, it's crazy that at the end, like thematically like for the movie it makes sense that they'd bring in like air support in that regard but like on a when you when you think about that for more than like two minutes you're like hmm i would feel like that would be like an international event it becomes an international incident for certain but bruce is but bruce is like combination of being like the greatest soldier in the world and also discovering empathy is just too much for tom scarrett and the higher-ups to take and they need no They're like, man, we got to get this. This guy's the best of us. This right? is America's dad. This is America's dad. Um, <laughs> some guys make it out. Some guys don't. Mm-hmm. Billy Bedlam doesn't make it, for instance. Oh, yeah. Uh, he gets a nice. I like. Uh, uh, I yeah, place. he gets a nice. like, And that's why I thought he was like, could have been the best friend of Bruce. Yeah. Like, because they sound like they've been on all these missions. But then it's like he's like in the crowd up until that point. And he gets a great death scene. Um, the guy who like goes after the poor woman was at Lake. Oh yeah, and he that like all that like yeah, and like all the death scenes are heroic and mm-hmm. emotional, and you like care, you're like oh man, like yeah, even like, like uh, the, now I it, care like, about these guys. <laughs> yeah, even like the the no character sniper that gets shot, and you see him in like the water, like he's like yeah. kind of half out of the water. That's like affecting in its own way. No, yeah, it's like and the, and the way they said they're dead, we lost them. You're like, oh man, like I care. All yes. of a sudden, but then I oh man, imagine how much more you'd care if you knew about Billy Bedlam's like daughter back home who just started dating and he's very uncomfortable with that there's a character there's something right there easy <laughs> like, that, that, that is like that's literally what this movie needed is just like five minutes of like yeah billy bedlam has a daughter uh the doctor character uh his uh his son is following in his footsteps like there's like 50 like yeah 
Like little things Easy. he could have added. Yeah. Um, one of them is gonna like second he gets back home, propose to his girlfriend. Second he gets back home. Yeah. You know, easy. These are not like this. Does not make this like a good. This doesn't make it a good movie necessarily by adding any of these punch ups, but it makes it more rewatchable. Mm -hmm. Certainly, it it brings it to the like the the, yeah the rewatchable zone. It makes it like it make it more um, memorable. It just having adding texture. You just need to add texture and like that's just a little bit more. And I think um, what we're starting to see in some of these things is. In Antoine Fuqua's movies, that doesn't, unless the script gives it to him, that's not something he seems to be thus far. Maybe will be proven wrong otherwise in later pictures. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Has not been his like top priority. Yeah. Um, cool, cool shots, cool action scenes <laughs> seem to be, uh, you know. But I think it just doesn't put it over the top. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like um. That's what makes a movie more like that's the difference between like some straight to video gangster movie and Goodfellas. Yeah. You know, and like, it doesn't even have like the um, insanity of like a straight to like, because I feel like at least like with the straight to video, usually there are like um, be it the incompetence of screenwriting or the lack of funds, there's like this we- a wild element that could make those movies a little more entertaining. And this movie yeah. is very like, it's that's, very competently made. It's like an but incredibly... That's the problem. It's trying to be Saving Private Ryan or Braveheart. Mm-hmm. But it also is kind of a direct-to-video action movie. Yeah, it's in this weird half zone where it doesn't have enough like wildness to be like memorable in that regard, and it doesn't have enough like juice class. in the other. Yeah, class. class. Yeah, <laughs> to go on the class other is a great yeah. word. Yeah, that's uh, true. Unfortunately, yeah. but they get to the border. They're not getting let in. Tom Skerritt shows up. He's like, let him in, and then freaking Monica Bellucci's carrying Bruce half dead Bruce Willison. Then his guys, all the survivors like Cole Hauser and stuff, are like. Dragging they're themselves, all, like, they're, so they're all like, up. they're so fucked up. They're just and, totally dead. But then, like, so I was like thrilled, and I was like emotionally engaged up until mm-hmm. this point when they finally get. Th- I was happy that they finally mm-hmm. got through. But then, when all of the Nigerian immigrants are refugees, and Tom Skerritt and Monica Bellucci all are like saluting and telling Bruce Willis he is the greatest guy <laughs> in the entire world. I was like, oh, we got it. We saw him in action. We don't yeah. need thank you. We'll never forget you. Oh, <laughs> stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I like, like, I'm surprised I didn't just like say thank you, Bruce Willis. At the well, end. That's where the whole produced by Bruce Willis production company thing comes into play i'm like oh this is bruce like the egomaniac and mm. i love bruce we've made that very very clear bruce, bruce no has... i mean we talked about it on the last boy scout episode he could be a bit difficult <laughs> uh, a bit ego minded mm-hmm. and this is clear in a 2003 post 9 11 u.s military movie from a guy who's known for having conservative at least on the military side of things, beliefs. This is hero, Bruce. Yeah, this is <laughs> like, like he's not I... gonna he's not gonna make himself look bad. 
<laughs> I think I'm talking about this, but I remember there's like um an article I read a while back about um it was written by Darius Miles, like the basketball player, and it was just him like going through like mo uh like you know uh scenes from his life like he's lived this wild life and one of them was uh when he was at uh Shaq's house and he was watching a movie and it was like a guy like fighting like ninjas and he realized oh that's Shaq fighting ninjas he paid stunt doubles to make a movie of him fighting ninjas <laughs> and so this is kind of like Bruce doing that a little bit like you a little start, like yeah you start I think when you do this too many times I think I've brought this up before there's this wonderful documentary called Wrestling with Shadows the Bret the Hitman Heart story <laughs> Um, about how Bret Hart, who had been a hero to kids and a good guy character in wrestling, right for many many years, and came to believe himself to be this kind of heroic type figure, and then when the tides turned and tastes in wrestling turned, and this is around the time when Stone Cold Steve Austin, the more rebellious anti-hero character. Mm emerged Bret Hart was left existentially completely and utterly lost oh no because he believed it because if you do this for too long and you're praised so much and you especially if you're like an action star yeah you become Steven Seagal lawman oh no you know what I mean yeah you 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 live it you believe the hype You, you become yeah yeah, like I think there is a huge part of Sylvester Stallone that truly believes he is Rocky Balboa. Yeah, he thinks he's the what's yeah. he, like the the Prince of Tulsa with a Tulsa cake. Yeah, Tulsa. But I think like I don't know how. And then like when dads everywhere worship you, the ground you walk on. Mm. Like I think like I think the only guy who's come out of it. With some like level-headed levity, because he kind of is the real thing, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he he's so because he supremely kind of is con- because he kind of is the real deal. Like, yeah, well, he's so supremely con- he was so supremely confident in himself from the get-go, and he's yeah. like, yeah, he was like, yeah, because he was well, pumping think, iron before all this. And I think that that's also the big difference is all the other action stars have massive insecurities that mm-hmm. they actually make them interesting to watch, like Bruce Willis. There's stories about Bruce. Like Bruce was very concerned about his abilities as an actor, and he kind of make up for it with bluster and yeah. bad behavior and bad behavior on set Oof. to hide the fact that he was insecure that he wasn't, um, you know, Robert De Niro. Or right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And despite the fact that Bruce and I, I hope someone told him this, it's like, man, you brought you weren't Robert De Niro. You're Bruce Willis. You brought your cool shit to the table. We don't need, yeah, we don't need uh, 50 Robert De Niro's. That wouldn't be a fun world. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I guess, like, when you are in the next generation of actors to emerge after that 70s group Mm -hmm. emerged, there's that's a long shadow. Yeah. Well, especially he was the guy who did like a. People have been getting fat or getting too skinny 50 years because of Robert De Niro. Because, oh, God, yeah, you know, for sure. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Jared Leto's whole career yeah, is like an all, example of that. I yeah. mean, all those guys, because like, I mean, like Jared Leto, Christian Bale, like you name it, they grew up watching videos of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and Surfico and Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, like, that's how you do it. And how could they, 
not feel that way. Yeah, I watch I watch those movies, and I'm like, that's how you do it. <laughs> like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, seemingly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like the evidence is there, man. This is yeah. great shit. Like, yeah. good pudding. But I think it caused a lot of havoc on there. Physically, physically and mentally for a lot of those guys. I mean, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, and their plus, psyches and their fizzies. <laughs> the other thing, too, difference is, is that a lot of people who followed in the Pacino, De Niro footsteps didn't realize Pacino, De Niro, Dustin Hoffman down the line had like 10 years of training before yeah. they got like to this Al, point. Yeah, Al Pacino didn't pop until he was like 30, right? Or yeah. in his 30s, yeah. Or close to it. Yeah, and, or 28 maybe, yeah. And if you're like Jared Leto, Christian Bale, or Heath Ledger, and you're a teen star, mm-hmm. how on earth are you ever going to go to like the Strasbourg Institute or the Actors Studio to do five years of study when, you know, you, you don't want to lose your heat? Yeah. So you take on like these ideas of method acting, these ideas that you kind of see from afar, but you have no like training on how to control it. And even controlling it, I mean, look at Robert De Niro's a basket case. Marlon Brando's a basket case. They're all, yeah, <laughs> like, Al Pacino. Like, we love yeah, Al Pacino. He's yeah. a bit of a lunatic. Like, they're yeah. all lunatics. Like, they all, like, uh, well, and, like, I feel like with Bruce, too, I feel like he had probably, like, an insecurity stemming from, like, he started in, like, TV, right? He was on the Moonlighting TV, TV show. Yeah, he's a TV guy, and he doesn't yeah. look, I mean, he's, he's balding and diehard. I mean, yeah. like, and own it, man. Yeah, just own it. It's fine. He owns it in Tears of the Sun. It's great. Ed Harris never seemed to have a problem. No. But I also think Ed Harris was never... Um... Ed Harris has got such a great look. Like, I was going to say, he's like never tried to be a leading like megastar like Bruce mm-hmm. Willis. You know, Ed Harris has always kind of ran in the character actor zone. Yeah. Um, but like watching The Abyss, I'm like, Ed Harris is a hunk. A good looking guy. Dude. Like, yeah, he, like sure. on screen. <laughs> He was great. It's a yeah. It's a shame that he never got to like. Uh, but I don't think yeah. I don't think he was ever looking for that. He seems like more of like an. He's he's he he's like he like he's cares more about his craft than yeah. like yeah, and not in a way um, that's like try hardy. What did the studio push for Bruce Willis for the abyss? But they did. Mm. Honestly, that fits. Yeah. That's very. Yeah, I think he could have done it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that would be a different movie, but it. it could be more entertaining yeah. maybe i'm saying i say this as someone who loves ed harris like the bruce willis uh his his ju- his uh his spice would have been interesting in that film um yeah so uh they get away monica bellucci who interestingly enough played mary magdalene in mel gibson's um the passion of the christ the, at uh, the end of the movie and the helicopter is holding the bloodied and battered bruce willis much like a jesus christ figure <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a little. Yeah, I was like, this is a little head on head. I mean, why, you know, why is Bruce in a different chopper than the rest of his guys? He's, he's special. He's he's, he's, special. he's the main guy. He's he gets the main guy. So the movie chopper. ends with the movie ends inexplicably with a Edwin Burke quote to bring it back to pretentiousness. The oh only ne- the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Wow. Mm. Mm, makes you think, right? Cut to the credits. That's Tears of the Sun. So I read later on that apparently Bruce and Antoine Fuqua did not get along on set. That tracks so well. And you feel it in this movie. In the battle between perhaps Antoine Fuqua's desire to tell a tale about the atrocities and shed a light 
on the atrocities of Africa that had been going on in the 90s and into the early 2000s with possibly a post 9-11 hoorah Bruce Willis's desire to show how badass he and the U.S. military were. Yeah, that seems to be uh, going to be a recurring thing, thing in Antoine Square is him having to balance the wants of his uh, producers, the film company he's working under, and his own artistic desires. Yes, and the battle between a being a good company man to get to your next yeah. gig and the desire to actually say something about what you've seen or what you what 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 affects you mm-hmm. as a human being because i think um i think he's trying mm-hmm. to do that but i also think um he's trying to continue to remain yeah, he employed. wants to work and you know i think that you can Not to open up a can of worms. That's too too full of alleged thoughts. Um, you do wonder how David Fincher and Michael Bay can get away with such big brass balls and mm. fight back, fight back a little bit more and continue to work and continue to get gigantic budgets and continue to get ultimate freedom. And it seems like perhaps maybe Antoine Fuqua can't. Um, draw hmm. your own con- draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, there's a couple um, of reasons I can think of, but yeah, I think they're clear. I think one could. Ugh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I think you're. Yeah, I feel. I mean, yeah. I think everyone agrees. I think you're um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think anyone in. 2023 can draw their own conclusion on that one yeah for sure i mean and like the good news is at least it seems like i don't know well you know what i don't know i'm not even gonna say good news because this we're probably still in the same fucking place i think the good news is he's still around to continue to make a lot of movies he's i mean talk about weird passion projects i mean he's making this michael jackson biopic that is which is the craziest movie i think he's ever been involved in yeah, that is an insane thing to make in 2023. Yeah, so, I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm kind of curious, because that's, that's insane. That's I an mean, insane thing to make. I mean, yeah, go ahead, man. Go with God. Like, let's see it happen. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, it's, yeah. Who are you even... Who are they casting? Apparently, like, a nephew of Michael Jack or some... Oh blood, wow! Blood really? I don't know. It's um. Wild. That is that is genuinely ludicrous. Like casting like a nephew of the. I mean, I guess like you know, it worked for uh the NWA biopic. Yeah, I mean, but I like I know that Ang Lee's next movie is a Bruce Lee biopic, and he cast his son, the kid from The Hangover, too. Oh my! Wow. So, it just gets weirder. Things aren't getting more normal. We no, could, we could pray from could pray that things are gonna get normal in our world. They're not. No, we live in weird times. We live in weird ass times. Weird. The things are weird now. But yeah, so um, Tears of the Sun was released mm-hmm. March seventh, two thousand three. Screams to me that it was greenlit 
very shortly thereafter, 9-11, things were at the highest level of patriotism. Yeah, very much. This is definitely Freedom Fries era for this sure. This is Freedom Fries era in a big way. Freedom isn't free, folks. We all know it. Um, yeah, honestly, surprised there wasn't a reference to Freedom Fries in this yeah. movie and the next movie we're covering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Especially in this <laughs> <It's really movie. laughs> uh, movie. Tears of the Sun was written by Alex Lasker and Patrick Cirillo. Cinematography by Mauro Fiore. And you brought up to me that apparently James Cameron saw this movie. And this is uh, what led him to want to k- use Mauro Fiore to be cinematographer on avatar yes yeah wow so i mean one other person saw tears of the sun mr james cameron i yeah <laughs> there's i feel like cameron and antoine have some similar i'm sure uh, that they've had dinner and gotten along yeah the uh editing was by conrad buff music of course by hans zimmer um this movie was released by Sony Pictures releasing. I've realized that we haven't talked a lot about distributors in the, in the past. I'm going to add that to our uh, yeah. list of facts. The budget on Tears of the Sun was $100.5 million. And it wow. looks good. It's very yeah. like... Um, like, I mean, the, the money's there on screen. Yeah. Definitely. Well, especially because like they're, like, it feels like they're shooting on like location, it looks like. like at least it appears that yeah. way. It's very, yeah. The film uh, definitely shot on like a real, like, um, <laughs> like aircraft carrier. You know, they had the military behind them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was uh, definitely has like a very um, texture of the look is is definitely there. If the character, yeah, very shot. wet movie too. It's a wet one. Yeah, and uh, we'll get to that moment here. Um, movie made eighty six point <laughs> five million at the box office, which is not. Not a financial success. Yeah, especially if your if your movie was so expensive. Yeah, that's kind of rough. Indeed. Um, thirty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Tries to be high minded, but in the end, it's just a stylish action movie. <laughs> I. Yeah. I see that too. Ebert liked it. Gave it three stars. Mm-hmm. He said, "Jesus Son is a film constructed out of rain, cinematography, and the face of Bruce Willis. These materials are sufficient to build a film almost as good as if there had been a better screenplay." And yeah, that 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 tracks. That tracks. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, to kind of as we've gone through the process of watching a lot of these post nine eleven war movies, to kind of take a look at this. The guys in Tears of the Sun, you could totally see Cole Hauser's red 10 years later, 13 hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi hanging out with those guys just as an independent operator. Oh, yeah. He's like the, was it the Toby Stevens character in that movie? He's like the guy who like comes yeah. in later, who's like one yeah. of the guys, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like the remarkable difference between 2003, in which it was like hearts and minds will win out. The U.S. are the good guys mm-hmm. to the 2014, 2016, I believe, actually, uh, 13 hours of they never listened to us soldiers who had it right in the first place. Fuck this. These are bad guys. <laughs> like, it's a rude stick, dudes. Stick your, la- stick your lanyard up your ass. We're going to at least get paid for this. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, it is kind of. As wrongheaded as tears is sometimes, at least there is like this sense of like greater empathy that appears to be yeah. lacking in it's modern the, the war ca- cinema. The cause 
was worth fighting for in 2003, at least within the kind of more right-leaning mm. filmmaking community. Whereas the right-leaning film community by 2016, or even the left-leaning community by 2016, all like either thought it was all a total mess and we're just going to make a downer movie about how much of a mess it is, or we're going to make a movie about how the soldiers are rad, but everyone around them sucks. Yeah, like we have entered the green zone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're either 13 hours or you're green zone. Yeah. <laughs> like literally the movie Green Zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, if you are a dad out there mm. who's like a total Tears of the Sun freak. Yeah, you've got the poster in your, your, your bedroom. I want to know why it's your favorite movie. Yes. So check in with us at the Acad Academy, the Academy Academy podcast at gmail.com or Twitter at the Acad Acad. Let us know. Yeah. Why I... Tears of the Sun is a TNT we know drama favorite for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know. Also, if you've seen the director's cut and it like t- it's like a kingdom of heaven situation. Wow. And it like rocks so hard and mm-hmm. like sheds so much new light. Tell us about it. We'll 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 find a copy. Yeah. Right I'm... now we're right now we're skeptical, <laughs> but maybe we're wrong. We're tears skeptics, but we could be tears we converts are... if yeah. emailed properly. Yeah, we 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 wearing tears of the sun t-shirts soon enough. Yeah, we're wearing the t-shirts. We have our fake mo- our weird mohawks. Yeah, we are. We're not uh... wearing the makeup. We're not wearing the makeup. Which one of Bruce Willis's guys are you? We're going to be taking that BuzzFeed quiz. because I call sh- slow. I call slow. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one whose name I remember. <laughs> I'm going to be red. Red. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, it's it's fun. Some weeks, yeah, sometimes we have a Blade Runner mm-hmm. or a Fight Club in which there's so much lore. Yeah get through and some weeks we have a tears of the sun in which it's just a pretty simple straightforward thing that i i have there is no zoomer who's watching tears of the sun so if you're no. a zoomer who's listening to this this is gonna be brand new to you <laughs> yeah it is kind of like this is one of those movies that like risks becoming a thursday's game almost where like i can see it being totally forgotten to the sands of time so it's nice that like you know, nice for to keeping get it alive and a little it's longer. Not, it's 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 far less harmless. It's harm. It's like it's not bait from Antoine Foucault, which yeah. is just like a startling. Like what was that? Kind yeah, of, like, that just not a great time. But it's it's also just not. It's interesting. It's not much, but there is. If you're a fan of um, you like war films. There is some great action. There's some great. It's a fun Bruce Willis performance. Mm-hmm. There are some. There's bright spots. It's not a total dud. Yeah, I think it's, it's like if you're if you're a big Bruce head, this you, you you're might Bruce. Find some if fun. you're a Bruce Willis completist or an Antoine Foucault completist, this should be on your list. Yeah. So beyond that, you can skip. Next week, speaking of being an Antoine Foucault completist, oh mamma mia, <laughs> we travel one year later, one nary a year later to 2004. Wow. With 2004's King Arthur. And I'm going to I'm gonna reveal this right now. Next week's episode is not only an episode of The Equalizer, it's a secret visionary alliance. 
episode because King Arthur is, of course, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> I was looking at my numbers on Letterboxd. I've watched 17 movies in 2023 that have been produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. You're Brookfield, man. You're a Brooks uh, brother. I guess so. My goodness. Uh, King Arthur can be rented through all of the services, is on mm -hmm. disc, and you guessed it, folks. Here's the director's cut. <laughs> Inexplicably. And we might be doing a little bit of uh, pre-gaming to take some time off around Thanksgiving. We may have already watched the King Arthur. We may be recording the King Arthur episode in five or so minutes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't, don't let them know. Don't let them know. We record every episode the day before it's released. <laughs> I know. In real time. We just finished these movies. I did not watch Tears of the Sun five days ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one of us, leave this up to surprise, may have watched the director's cut of mm. King Arthur, and one of us may have not. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> both of us uh, probably don't, wouldn't realize like a difference between either of them. Like... Yeah. Probably could live the rest of our lives without knowing the difference. The week after that, we return to David Fincher and You Want It Darker with 2002's. Mm. Panic Room, which is oh, yeah. on uh, something called MGM Plus. Oh, God. There's another one. Who knows? Who they knows? They fly now. They fly now. Uh, it can be rented. And get this. Panic Room has only ever been available on DVD. Has never received a Blu-ray release. Whoa. A real MIA in the high-definition physical media world. I um. A Fincher flick without a Blu-ray? Interesting, yeah. And so there's a DVD. There was once a three-disc jam-packed DVD with all sorts of amazing special features that is out of print. I have been, if there is time, I have been scouring eBay Ooh. to obtain a copy of this DVD. I hope I can in time. If not, it is what it is. I have the DVD. I have the regular edition, but I never bought the three-disc one. And I was looking at those features. Oh, baby, those features. Yeah. Good features. In Panic Room, there's a lot to break down technically. So we'll see. Um, but that's the next two weeks on the show. Two very interesting, very, very early 2000s movies in King Arthur and Panic Room to come. Yeah. <laughs> very up there. Era. Very exciting because it's like both interesting choices because I don't think anyone would have expected Antoine Foucault to do a. Ridley Scott medieval movie. Yeah, very, uh, very surprising. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's a left field. It's a left field move. And probably David Fincher's most deeply mid tier, made mainstream, at least on paper, movie. Mm. So, but we'll see. Maybe both. Yeah. Maybe one. Maybe either will surprise us. I mean, it has it has the Oakman in it. Yeah. I. I mean. I've I've seen Panic Room a bunch, so <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll let everyone know now. Of course, I've seen Panic Room many a times. Uh, yeah. Probably don't oh, even yeah, need yeah. to rewatch it. I could probably do the plot beat by beat <laughs> without ever without even looking it up. Anyway, we'll find out in two weeks. So that was Tears of the Sun. Check it out for Patrick. I'm done. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. Goodbye. Time to podcast. Ha, 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 ha.